Ready or not, 2017 is here. Woohoo! And uh, this year is going to be filled. It's going to be filled with so much wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Wrong advice is going to be given. Wrong advice is going to be taken. Wrong decisions are going to be made. Wrong words are going to be spoken. Wrong responses are going to be conveyed. Wrong attitudes are going to be had. Some of you already had them this morning. Uh, Wrong relationships are going to be started. Wrong purchases are going to be made. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Happy New Year. (laughs) Well, how's that? Well, let me ask you this, or let's just think about this. Many around the world have already started off the very first day in the wee hours of the morning of 2017 wrong, with wrong decisions and wrong choices. How are you going to keep 2017 from going wrong? How are you going to avoid wrong decisions, wrong actions, wrong directions? How are we going to make sure that we get things right and keep things right in a world filled with so much wrong? That's what we're going to learn this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. As we learn to start the new year off right and keep the new year going right. Psalm 119. We're going to look at a section in Psalm 119 starting with verse 137. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest of all the Psalms. It's 176 verses, usually attributed to King David. All of the verses, 176 of them, refer to God. All of them but five refer to the Word of God. Now, now of these 176 verses, there are 22 sections which relate to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And there are eight verses in each of the section. And so what we have is an acrostic. We have this beautiful piece of poetry, is what Psalm 119 really is. And each section starting with one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Today we're going to look at the letter R, so to speak, or the 18th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Starting in in Psalm 119, verse 137. Read along with me, starting in verse 137. 37. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. You have commanded your testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant, what? Loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law, what is it? It's truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may what? That I may live. So how are we going to start off the new year right, and how are we going to keep this year going right? Number one is this. Personally prioritize the holy word of God. Say it with me personally prioritize the holy word of God. And we'll be looking at different verses as they apply in different sections of this, of this, uh, of this sermon. Now, now, why do we personally prioritize the holy word of God? Well, number one is this, because his word is right and his word is righteous. If you want to do this year right, you got to be in God's word. If you want to avoid what is wrong, you need to be in God's word. 
You need to do things right, be right, make decisions that are right, and let God's word give you the right advice, the right counsel, the right ideas, the right direction. We have this incredibly strong emphasis on right and righteousness in this section of the psalm. Now, we have a play on words throughout this section, okay, these eight verses. The first letter of every verse in the Hebrew starts with the letter hasad, okay? And it sounds like the Hebrew word for righteousness, sadiq. And so there's already a play on words right from the beginning, the start of every single verse, reminding us of God's rightness and righteousness. Numerous times throughout this section, verse 137, righteous. Upright, verse 138, righteousness. Verse 142, righteousness, everlasting righteousness. Verse 144, righteous forever. Get the picture? God is righteous. His word is righteous. If you want to do what is right in this coming year, you've got to walk with God and you've got to follow his word. Now it says in verse, one, or verse 137, righteous are you. So God is righteous, meaning he is morally pure, blameless, good. He is just. I love that song that we sung about the goodness of our God. Our God is good. Psalm 5-4, for you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. He knows no evil. He thinks no evil. He does no evil. James 1-13, for he cannot be tempted by evil. He himself does not tempt anyone. God alone is 100% righteous 100% of the time. That cannot be said of me. That cannot be said of you. It cannot be said of anyone but our God. And it's a present righteousness. Righteous are you right now. God is righteous. But it even goes beyond that. Look at verse 142. His righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. So he has never been anything but righteous. He will never be anything but righteous. He has been. He will be. Now, he is naturally righteous. He is the essence of righteousness. It's an attribute of God. He is immutably righteous. What does that mean? It's never changing righteousness. He will always be righteous. He is universally righteous. He is one and the same with everyone and anyone. And he is everlastingly righteous from age to age to age, from generation to generation to generation. Perpetual, unending, permanent, eternal righteousness. Listen, you don't have to worry or wonder if God's going to change. You don't have to fear that maybe he won't be as righteous as he used to be. Your God is righteous. He has always been righteous. He will always be righteous. Uh, even in times of suffering, 1 Peter four nineteen. Therefore those also who suffer according to the will of God shall what? Entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. You can trust your God. He is a faithful creator. He will do what is right. Even if we don't understand it, it is still right in the eyes of God. Now, our God is righteous, verse 137, and his word is righteous. Upright are your judgments. Now, judgments is a synonym for the word of God. 
There, in, this, in this psalm, Psalm 119, there's all kinds of words used for the word of God. There's commands, precepts, laws, testimony, words, statutes, and there's this word, judgments. So his word, his judgments are upright. Listen, the enemy wants you to doubt that. The enemy wants you to question the word of God, doubt the word of God, convince you that you know better than the word of God. As he spoke to Eve in the garden in Genesis 3, so he will whisper the same words in your ear. Did God actually say that? Does God really mean that? You don't have to follow that. That doesn't apply to you. It applies to somebody else. You know what? You know better in this situation. Listen, it is God's word. I am not the exception to it. It is God's word. You are not the exception to it. Do not listen to the whispers of the enemy telling you you don't have to follow the righteous word of God. If you don't follow the righteous word of God, you will go the wrong way. Follow God's word word. Even if you don't understand it, trust him. Now, his word, we're told in Psalm 119 verse 138, that you've commanded your testimonies in righteousness. That means the motives behind the word are righteous. Every command given has righteous reasons. There's reasons behind it that are right. Trust God's word. Look at Psalm 119 verse 144. Your testimonies are righteous forever. So so God's word is never outdated. It never loses its relevance. It's never wrong. In spite of changing times, in spite of new technologies, in spite of new information, there's no retractions in God's word. It's it's not like poor Pluto that used to be a planet and now is not. You're not going to find that with God's word. It doesn't change. It is always right. It is always accurate. It is fully reliable now, tomorrow, 50 years from now, 1,000 years from now. It, it is right for me. It is right for my children. It will be right for my grandchildren. I better get grandchildren, okay? <laughs> it, it'll be right for my great-grandchildren. And when I'm long dead and gone, 1,000 years from now, God's word will still be right. It is always right. That's why it's so important for you to not only for this coming year, but every single day, to know the word of God, to read the word of God, to be in the word of God. In the midst of so much wrong in this world, we have something that is so right. We have the word of God. So spend time in that which is right. Why prioritize his word? It's right and righteous. Why? Because it's faithful. Look at, look at verse 138. Exceeding faithfulness. Exceeding meaning it just excels. It superabounds. It's just abundant in faithfulness. In other words, God is faithful to every promise in his word. Every single one. He will be faithful. He's also faithful to every judgment. He is faithful to every aspect of his word. Fully trustworthy, fully reliable. You never have to question. You never have to wonder. Listen, President Obama says something. I gotta wonder. President-elect Trump says something. I gotta wonder. I don't just trust these guys automatically. There ain't no way. God says something. I don't ever have to wonder. I don't ever have to question. I don't ever have to, well, is this true? Fully reliable is the word of God. Fully faithful 
is the word of God. Why prioritize his word? It's righteous, it's faithful, it's pure. Look at Psalm, or verse 140. Your word is very pure, very pure. You know what I do every single morning I wake up, I grab a cup of coffee. You know what I put in my coffee? A big old overabounding teaspoon of pure honey. Anybody else do that? You need to get saved, people, okay? <laughs> I, I just love the sweetness of pure honey. And so I just take that thing and it's just and I just plop it in there. I just love that. It's that sweetness so wonderful and tastes so exquisite. And Carla uses honey and she makes these incredible homemade granola bars that are just great. And she uses honey for those. We really like honey in our home. This is the size we buy, seriously, in our home. <laughs> we buy a 12-pound jar of honey. And we go through that bad boy. I mean, we love honey is what we do. We get it from Mr. C's Bees, the Copelands. Any the Copelands here today? Copelands, anyway, they have this, they have, they sell honey and it's just awesome. But by the way, that 12 pound jar of honey takes a hive of 80,000 bees over a month to produce. They visit 24 million flowers and fly 660,000 miles. That's more than twice the distance from the moon into the earth and back. Think about what goes into that. And that sweetness is so wonderful. Think about what has gone into the word of the living God and what he has given you in the sweetness of your Bible and the scriptures that you hold. Highest degree of sweetness. Psalm 19.9. The judgments of the Lord are true. They're righteous altogether. Verse 10. Sweeter than honey and the drip than the drippings of the honeycomb. Every day, you know what I do? I put my honey in my coffee every single day. You know what's more important than having honey in my coffee every day? Having the sweetness of God's word in my life every day. Every day. Some of you are so quick to get your coffee every morning. It's time to put a verse of scripture in your heart every morning. It's time to open the Bible every morning. It's time to read God's word every single solitary day. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It's the highest degree of satisfaction. There's no error. There's no mistakes. Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. His word is right and righteous, faithful, pure. His word is true. Look at verse 142. Your righteousness, if it's an everlasting righteousness, and your law is what? Truth. This world is filled with lies and filled with liars. This world is filled with dishonesty and deception. This world is filled with half-truths and partial truths, which equal whole lies. God's word is true. It is true in its promises to you. It is true in its doctrine. It is true in its history. It is true in its prohibitions. It is true in its threats of judgment. It is true and nothing but the truth. That's what you have when you hold the word of the living God. God's word is true because he is true. Numbers 23, 19. He's not a man that he should lie. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will it not be good? Titus 1, 2. Which God who, who cannot lie? He does not lie. God's word is true because it's supernatural. 2 Timothy 3. 
And that from childhood, you've known the sacred writings. These are not just writings. They're sacred. And they're able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is what? Inspired by God. It's, it's, it's sacred. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. It's inerrant. It's infallible. Scripture supernatural. Second Peter chapter 1. But know this first of all, no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit, what? Spoke from God. And its truth does a supernatural work in me. And its truth does a supernatural work in you. And its truth is doing a supernatural work in you right now. The Spirit of God is using the Word of God to convict of sin, to teach more truth, to draw you closer in obedience, to give you praise in your lips unto your God who has saved you. John 17, 17 in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is what? Truth. Sanctify them. This was Jesus praying for his disciples and Jesus praying for you, his followers. Set them apart. That's what sanctify means. Set them apart unto you, God. He's prayed for you. He's prayed for me. Set them apart. Sanctify them unto you, under your purposes, under your will, under your service. And set them apart in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. And the truth does sanctify us, and the truth does purify us. Listen. Do not suppress the truth of God's word. Do not reject the truth of God's word. Do do not deny the truth of God's word or the sanctification process is stifled. If you will not allow the word of God to work in you, you will not grow spiritually. You have to submit to the word of God. You need to trust the word of God. You need to accept the word of God humbly. And let that sanctification process take place. How do you start the new year off? How do you keep the new year going right? You personally prioritize the Holy Word of God. Secondly, you passionately commit to the Holy Word of God. Say it with me. Passionately commit to the Holy Word of God. And this psalmist, all of a sudden his emotions just come out and how involved he is at a deep level and taking God's Word so seriously. And he talks about his love and he talks about his zeal and he talks about his joy. He teaches us to be zealous for the Word of God. Verse 139. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten your words. It drives him crazy when people don't walk according to the word of God. It drives him nuts when people don't follow the word of God. You've been there. I've been there. I've seen people who know better that turn their back on the word of God and I know the consequences that are coming to their marriage. I know the consequences that are going to be faced with their children. And it just drives me crazy. You have the truth. You won't follow the truth. What are you doing? That's what he's talking about. He's got this zeal. Why are you forgetting the word of God? Why are you turning your back on the only thing that can give you rightness in this world? And you're going down a wrong path. And I want you to notice here, it's a personal zeal. Verse 139 says, my zeal has consumed me. 
So it's, this, is a, this is a fire burning in his soul in this intense heat and holy hot flame. And, and hey, listen, everybody is zealous for something. This man is zealous for the word of God. People are zealous for money. Got to make money. Got to have money. Got to have money. Gotta, and they're zealous for money. And they're, maybe they're zealous for a person and a relationship. Or they're zealous maybe for sleep. They just want to sleep anyway. They're, they're zealous for that hobby. Or they're zealous for some form of entertainment. Or they're zealous for a certain sin that has consumed their lives. It's, you know, what are you zealous for? Where do you spend the strength of your body and the power of your mind and the money in your account and the time in your day? What are you putting it on? You are zealous for something. This man is zealous for the word of God. And he's saying, why don't you get zealous for the word of God? The word of God is being disdained. It's being dejected. It's being treated with contempt. He says, my adversaries have forgotten your words. And it drives them crazy. Be zealous for the word of the living God. Next, fall in love with it. Look at verse 140. Your word is very pure, remember? What's the response to its purity? A passion. Therefore, your servant loves it. He says, nothing is like it, nothing compares to it, no form of entertainment takes its place, no movie, no, no form of social media, no book can take the place of the word of God. Ecclesiastes 12.12 12 says this, beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless. There's no end to the list of books that you can read. An excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. He's saying, man, read, read, read all the books in the world. It's just going to wear you out eventually. But there's one book that doesn't wear you out. There's one book that will always feed your soul. It's the word of the living God. Nothing satisfies like the word of God. Daily taste the word of the living God. I mentioned earlier, having coffee every day. How in the world did I develop a taste for that black stuff in that cup? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and some of you drink pots full of that stuff. You developed a taste for it. You, you developed a taste for social media. You take, you're on social media every single day. You drink coffee every single day. Some of you kids could have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day. You know what? If you developed a taste for coffee, you developed a taste for social media, you developed a taste for PVGs, you can develop a taste for the Word of God and so much better for you than it is. There's nothing better than the Word of God. Be in the Word of God every single day. Some of you have developed a, a routine for exercise, and you're saying, not me, that's my New Year's resolution. Well, I've developed a, a routine for exercise yesterday. Here's a picture of my daughter. She brought me home. I got 1,400 miles in yesterday, and, uh, but I had to get it in. I'm OCD, man. I, 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 it's 1,400. Okay, let's get this 1,400. So I did seven and a half miles uh, first with the guys. Then I did five and a half miles with my dog, and all before noon. Then I had to get another run in because I was two miles short. And my daughter said, I'll run it with you, Dad. So she brought me home running that. I'm laying in bed. I was telling Arthur over here earlier. I was laying in bed last night. He asked me what time I got to bed. I said, well, I got to bed by 11, but then I got up at 11.30. Why'd you get up at 11.30? I'm laying there. I read through the Bible every year, every single day. I've been doing it for 20, 25 years. I forgot to read Malachi. <laughs> so I had to get out of bed at 11.30 and just read those four little chapters. 
and think about God's word and what God's word is. If I can be disciplined to run, I better be disciplined to be in God's word. If you can be disciplined to drink your coffee, you can, you can read some scripture every day. You can be on social media, you can read your Bible every day. It's time to fall in love with the word of God and be in God's word every single solitary day. And now he says this in verse 140. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I love the humility that he enters in here. And maybe that's the key to looking to God's word and longing for God's word. Maybe we have to swallow our pride and realize, wait a minute, I am your servant, God. I need to hear from you. What are your commands for my day? What are your instructions for my life today? I am your servant. So maybe if we have a more humble attitude, we will be more committed to the word of God. Maybe if I woke up every day saying I'm a servant of God, what are my instructions, my master? What are, what are the commands you have for my life? So maybe there needs to be a spirit of humility in my life and in your life. He loves the word of God, though. Therefore, your servant loves it. And when you love something, you're consumed with it. You spend time with it. You speak of it. Charles Spurgeon, speaking of John Bunyan. John Bunyan was the author of Pilgrim's Progress, great classic. He says, why, this man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere, his blood is bibbling. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is what? Full of the word of God. May our blood type be O positively Bible. That's what we need to have. Sir William Jones was a brilliant English scholar and thinker. Listen to this. He knew English, Welsh, Greek, Latin, Persian, Arabic, Hebrew, and the basics of Chinese at an early age. By the end of his life, he knew 13 languages thoroughly and 28 others reasonably well. This guy was brilliant. He was a philologist, one who studies language and written historical resources such as literary texts and written books. This is what he writes about the Bible. Before I knew the word of God in spirit and in truth, so before salvation, before walking with God, for its great antiquity, its interesting narratives, its impartial biography, its pure morality, its sublime poetry, in a word, for its beautiful and wonderful variety, I preferred it to all other books. But since I have entered into its spirit, like the psalmist, I love it above all things for its purity and desire whatever else I read, it may tend to increase my knowledge of the Bible and strengthen my affection for its divine and holy truths. He says there is nothing like the purity of the Bible, the word of God. That will be my focus. And if I read other things, I want those other things to increase my affection and desire for the holy word of God. That was the love this man had for the Bible. Just as the psalmist has told us thousands of years ago in Psalm 119, 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. There's no other book that compares to the Bible. Fall in love with it and read it every single day. And, and never forget it. 
Be zealous for it. Fall in love with it. Never forget it. Look at verse 141. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Now, he gives an assessment here. He gives a self-assessment. He says, I'm small. I'm a nobody. Maybe he feels this way because of his sin. Maybe there's shame and there's guilt and there's regret and he's just feeling the weight and he's like, before this great and awesome and holy God, I am nobody. Maybe he feels this way because of how others feel about him. And that's the second assessment. I'm small and I'm despised. I'm looked down on by others. I'm ignored. I'm disrespected. I've just been written off. And maybe you're here this morning, that's how you feel. You feel really, really small because of something you've done. You feel really, really despised by family, by loved ones who don't seem to care about you, give you no time of day, have just written you off. He says, I'm small. I'm despised. But then he says this, yet I do not forget your precepts. I am not going to forget your word. You know, it's real easy to forget the word of God when we feel sorry for ourselves. It's real easy to say, well, I'm not going to church today. Nobody cares anyway. And I'm not going to read my Bible. Nobody cares anyway. It's real easy to feel sorry for ourselves, go in a corner and suck our thumb. He says, you know what? I'm not going to be immature. I may feel small and I may feel despised, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse to forget God and forget his word. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to blame others. I'm not going to forget my God. And by the way, he's already told us others have forgotten him. He's already told us that, that in verse 139, the adversaries have forgotten your words. And in this verse, verse 141, he says, I do not forget your precepts. I'm not going to forget your promises, God. I'm not going to forget your wisdom. I'm not going to forget all the things you teach. I'm not going to forget your commands. I am going to remember. And by the way, do you remember his assessment of himself small and and the assessment of others despised? You know what happens when you get into the word of God? You realize God's assessment of you. How much you are loved, how much you are cared for, and he hasn't abandoned you. Yes, we are sinful and depraved, but we are so loved and we are forgiven. So get into the word of God and don't worry about the assessment of others. See God's assessment of you and what his word says about you. Be zealous, fall in love, never forget. Look at verse 143, take great joy in it. He says, would you delight in the word of God? Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. Now he's got double trouble. He's got trouble, which is trouble from the outside. Trials, unexpected circumstances, unforeseen conflicts. And he's got anguish. This is on the inside. Internal strife, heartache, grief, fears, trouble and anguish. Listen. In 2017, you will face trouble and anguish. It's coming. It's a part of life. Happy New Year. (laughs) Okay, I I don't know exactly what that trouble and anguish will look like, but it's coming. I don't know the date and the time that it's going to happen, but it's coming. There will be trouble on the outside, unforeseen circumstances and, and, and trials. There will be anguish on the inside. Your heart is going to be, be broken or hurt. And, and there's going to be fear there. And it's going to be hard. 
There's going to be trials, troubles. There's, there's going to be anguish. Understand that. And he says, it's come upon me. It's personal. And, and this is a guy who loves God and loves the Word of God. Christians are not immune to troubles and anguish. It's part of life. We live in a fallen world. And he says, it has found me. It's come upon me. It's chased me down like two rabid dogs escaping from some guy's yard, running after me, barking after me, trouble and anguish and anguish and trouble. And, and then all of a sudden they're biting at me and it's hard. The pain is real. But though the pain is real, the joy is real. Look at verse 143. Yet your commandments are my delight. And so in the midst of this bitterness of life, there is the sweetness of God's word. Take the sweetness of God's word when your upset stomach is bitter with life. Intake the sweetness of God's word and let it calm the bitterness of your life. Understand the sweet promises are a balm for your bitter pain. And the sweet verses of Scripture are a comfort for your hurting heart. And the sweet passages of the Bible are so soothing to the soul. You know those favorite passages that you could read over and over in the promises of God. He's saying, take the sweetness of my word when the bitterness of life comes. It will. But, but counteract it with the sweetness. And he says, your commandments are my delight. Listen. Delight in the word of the living God. What do you delight in? Delight in his word. Thomas Aquinas put it this way. Delight in moral things is the rule by which we may judge of men's goodness or badness. Thomas Aquinas. Delight in moral things is the rule by which we may judge of men's goodness or badness. In other words, men are good who delight in good things. Men are bad who delight in bad things. Delight in good things and above all, the word of the living God. Delight in the word of God. One more thing we see. Be zealous, fall in love, never forget it, take great joy in it, and yearn for it like your life depended on it. Yearn for the word of God like your life depended on it. You know why? Because it does. God's word, he tells us in verse 144, your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. So based on this righteousness of God's word forever, he's saying, man, I gotta have the truth. I gotta have God's word if it's righteous forever. I've gotta desire God's word and know God's word and learn God's word because the word of God is essential to life and living. Listen, God's word speaks to every single area of your life and my life. God's word speaks to your marriage. God's word speaks to your work. God's word speaks to your parenting. God's word speaks to forgiveness. God's word speaks to friendships. God's word speaks to your anger problem. God's word speaks to your jealousy. God's word speaks to honesty. God's word speaks to every area of our lives. Jesus to the devil in the wilderness temptation in Matthew 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It's more than food, people. 
but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Give me the word of God. That'll sustain me. That'll sustain me more than breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Give me the word of the living God. Life is found in the word. Where is life found? How is life found? Life is found. Physical life, spiritual life, and eternal life is found in the word of God. It's the word of God that will protect your physical life. Proverbs 3.16, long life is in her right hand. That's the wisdom of God. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are those who hold her fast. Hold on to the word of the living God. Proverbs 4, 4 and 13. Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and what? Live. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your what? Life. And Jesus' words in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against that house, and yet it what? It did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Your life, your marriage, everything about you must be founded on the word of God because if it is not, you are going to fall. The foundation of your relationships must be God's word. The foundations of who you are and what you do, the foundations of your business must be founded on the words of God. If it is not founded on the word of God, it goes splat. It falls. You could say, well, I'm going to be fine and I'm going to do this. You're not doing what's right. You're making yourself an exception to the word of God. If you try to make yourself an exception to the word of God, as countless thousands of people have tried through thousands of years, you will fall. The question is, do you want to do things right this coming year? Then you need to do it according to the word of the living God. It, it, it gives physical life. It gives spiritual life. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's what's going to make a difference in your life spiritually. It, it ensures eternal life. Romans 10.17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of what? Christ or God. That's how you grow. You hear the word of God. You come under conviction and you give your life to the Lord. And some of you here this morning have not come to faith in Jesus. You need to let the word of God lead you to the living word of God, Jesus Christ. You need to be convicted of your sin and realize God knows your sin and still loves you and that he will forgive you. And that he will save you. Listen, I can't get to heaven on my own, man. God, I don't get up there and God says, well, you're a pastor, you're in. I don't think so. You get in because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You must ask Jesus to be your savior. You must ask for forgiveness of your sin. And in a few minutes, I'll lead in a prayer. And I would encourage you to call out to God in faith and ask him to be your savior. How are you going to start the new year off right? How are we going to keep the new year going right? Let's say it together. 
personally prioritize the holy word of God because his word is right and righteous. His word is faithful, pure, and his word is true. And passionately commit to the holy word of God. Be zealous for it. Fall in love with it. Never forget it. Take great joy in it and yearn for it like your life depended on it because it does. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just take a moment right now. You who are believers already in the Lord, just talk to the Lord. Talk to him about doing things right this year. Making those commitments right now that you need to make. Doing it God's way, whatever it is. Trusting him completely. Laying the foundation of the word of God in every area of your life. What area has the word of God not been the foundation that needs to change? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here this morning and truly you've never come to faith in Jesus. You've been a religious person. You go to church from time to time. But you need God in your life. And you may say, Scott, that's me. What do I do? In the quietness of your heart right now, call out to the Lord. Ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you. Use words like these, Lord Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of all my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. Lord, I place my faith in you. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. Forgive me, I pray. Save me, I pray, in Jesus' name.